Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the MF Training Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Fritz, and I can't begin to tell you how excited I am for this next episode, as I'll be having on one of my dear friends, ex-teammate, and college roommates, Johnny Martinez. Aside from being one of my favorite human beings, Johnny was also one of the better all-around athletes I've ever had the pleasure to be around. His bread and butter was on the baseball diamond, there's no doubt about that, but he was also a pretty darn good basketball player as well. A fellow two-sport athlete at Juniata College, Johnny received many accolades in his four-year career, making him one of the more decorated players in Juniata's history. He ranked second all-time in career hits, third in doubles, fifth in RBIs, and eighth in home runs. He was the 2011 Landmark Conference Player of the Year and was twice named to the first-team All-Landmark Conference. Johnny continued his playing career after college, playing in the Australian Baseball League for the Canberra Cavalry and the Australian Territory League for the Balkan and Bandits. Currently, he's a man of many hats. Johnny is now the assistant baseball coach at Juniata College while also being a sports performance trainer. Along with that, Johnny is now a secondary science teacher at Mount Union Area High School, his former alma mater, and he currently resides in Mount Union, which is just a short drive from our old stomping grounds at Juniata. Johnny is now the proud dad to two beautiful children, Matthew and Eliza. Like I said, Johnny has always had a huge impact on my life, and I'm not sure what kind of career, if any, I would have had as a baseball player at Juniata if it wasn't for Johnny. Please join me in welcoming my dear friend Johnny Martinez to the MF Training Podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Johnny. Yo, what's up, man? What's happening? Welcome to the MF Training Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Dude, I'm excited about it. Hey, I've... uh, been dying to get you on for some time now unfortunately we've been dealing with this pandemic so it's been a little difficult i'm not even gonna use that as an excuse i've been dealing with freaking school man so that's why it's taken me so long i apologize for that well well, you got and you got two you got two young ones too now to look after that's also yeah that also factors in now and again but yeah i got a lot going on (laughs) well uh no that's that's great and and i you know i can't thank you enough for joining me um just, just to give some folks some background here, uh, Johnny is a long-time friend of mine. Uh, went to the same college together, Juniata College, played some baseball and basketball together there, um, and he's uh, one of my dearest friends. So um, before we jump into it, Johnny, I w- kind of want to give our guests a little bit of background on yourself and some of the records that you hold, because um, there are quite a few, that uh, both from Mountain Union, which is where you went to high school, and then Juniata as well. But Johnny holds the uh, single game record for points at Mount Union. 52, Johnny. That was uh, one of those nights where you were just feeling it a little bit. Dude, it was a strange night, to be honest. I don't even know if we ever talked about it. But um, I didn't even start that game. Um, I actually was like 16 points away from getting my 1,000 points. And we were on the road against a team who wasn't supposed to be that good, Claysburg. Um, so my coach said, listen, we're just going to sit you this game. We don't really need you to, uh, yeah, to play. Um, they thought, they thought they had it handled against Claysburg Kimmel. And, uh, he's like, we played the next night at home the following night. He's like, it'd be cool if you scored your thousand points, you know, at home in front of the home crowd. So I was like, yeah, whatever. Like I, I sat, um, well, as it went like into the first quarter, we were getting whooped. Like they came out hot. Claysburg came out hot and we're just like beating us bad. So he's like, you got to go. He's like, you got to play tonight. So. I wasn't even prepared. I hadn't warmed up or, like, anything. So, I jumped in. I actually started the game, like, 0 for 9. Like, couldn't hit a shot. Like, couldn't hit anything. <laughs> and then 
I don't know what just happened. I don't know what happened. Like, I literally blacked out. I don't like it. <laughs> I, don't a lot. I, I swear, I don't remember a lot of what happened. It was just bucket after bucket after that. We put on a Thir- of- 13 threes, right? Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know what happened, man. I honestly, I tell people that, like, I don't remember a lot of that game. I don't know what happened. <laughs> like, I was just in, like, another dimension. It just happened. You start the game off 0 for 9, and then uh, 52 points later, it's like, uh, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, it was a bizarre night. It was really strange, but um, yeah, it happened. I actually was taken out of the game. My coach to this day still apologizes to me. He, I was taken out of the game with like four minutes left. Fifty two points was the school record held by uh, Danny Fortson, and I was taken out of the game with four minutes left. I had tied the record, but nobody knew how many points I had. Like they weren't even aware that I had. Like I had tied the record. He would have left me in, you know, to break the record. Um, I didn't know that I had fifty two points. I sat down on the bench. And uh, my best friend's dad was actually, like, sitting behind the bench. And he's, like, a funny guy, like, just always cracking jokes and stuff. He, like, tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, man, he scored 50 points. And I was like, ha-ha, like, laughing. Like, I like I thought maybe I had, like, 30, 40 or something, maybe. I thought no, it was just, no big deal, 30, 40. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I thought he was, like, kidding around because that was, like, just his nature. And then, like, yeah, the uh, our score, like, our bookkeeper, you know, it was at the scores table. It was like, no, you had 52 points, man. Like, you tied the school record. I was like, we all just looked at each other like, wow. <laughs> nobody nobody really nobody really knew what happened so you had that special night on the hardwood and then obviously um you know just like myself you're you're a hooper and and a baseball player but i, I think you could attest and agree that um your bread and butter was was on the baseball field um and i and as you've told me that you held the single season record for batting average of 636 was that your senior year at mountain union that was yeah yep Man, I'm just thinking here and thinking of that average. I'm like, holy smokes! <laughs> yeah, probably good. had a couple, couple uh, hitting streaks sprinkled in there. I'm assuming, right? I, I'm not really a stats guy. I had to actually like ask my pap for all those stats I sent you. Like, he's the stats guy. Like, he remembers all that stuff. <laughs> I don't remember any of that stuff. But um, I think I finished 22 for my last 23. I made an out on my last high school at bat. Oh in man. 20. <laughs> yes, that was, that was the big streak. That was the long streak. I if I got that, you could at least you could hang your hat on that six thirty six batting average, which not a lot of people can do. Um, so you had quite the career at Mountain Union, and then uh, as I said, you you took your talents in Juniata College, and uh, just to give our 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 listeners, um, you know, some some of your credentials here, you were all landmark conference. Uh, you won the Player of the Year, which. I think it was my junior year. You won that your senior year, if I remember correctly. Or maybe it was junior year, your junior year. I'm not sure. When you won. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly can't even remember. Um, all Mid-Atlantic region team, uh, first team ECAC South All-Star. And, you know, you had a bunch of uh, players a week in there, too. So you had quite the career at junior out of college. But I kind of wanted to jump into your playing career um, that you had out over in Australia uh, the year after, I think, after you graduated, um, you played in the Australian Baseball League for the Canberra Cavalry and then the Australian Capital Territory League um, for the Balkan and Bandits. You know, so it's, we always talk about the transition from high school sports to college. You know, but how was that transition for you from, you know, college to playing professionally overseas? And, and talk about some of the adjustments that you had to make. Oh, man, it was uh... – it was different for sure. I mean, you just read off whatever credentials I achieved there in college, you know, going from being, you know, all those accolades and awards to I was the last guy off the bench, you know, 
at the professional level. I, I only right. got a couple of the bats sprinkled in there. I know uh, whenever they're pretty confident, I started at the lower level pretty good. Like the first night I got there, like I got off the plane and played a game, had a pretty good night, and then continued to play well after that till I got a call from, uh, yeah, the professional level team, the Cavalry. Uh, they asked me to go away and play a weekend. Uh, I remember we went to Sydney to play the Sydney Blue Sox. Man, that weekend I went – like 0 for 7 with five strikeouts. It was uh, <laughs> just a little, a little bit of a wake-up call for you. Oh, yeah, man. Just seeing guys who were like former big leaguers, former, you know, double-A, triple-A players. It was a uh, – it's a whole – it's a whole other skill set um, from coming from the Division three level at junior out of college. I got a, I got put in my place pretty quickly. It was, it was an eye-opener. Uh, needless to say, after that 0 for 7 weekend performance, uh, my services were no longer required at the professional level <laughs> for some time. They said, thank you. Uh, thank you for your time. But we have we have somebody else to play for the time being. So I, I took a little bit of a hiatus. I was back down at the lower level, kind of adjusting, kind of thinking to myself, like, what just happened? Like, what, how do I really, like, get, get myself to that level to uh, to be able to compete there? And Thankfully, I did. I, I went and I worked and I got another chance and I didn't go over seven with five strikeouts. Like, <laughs> I did a little bit better. Nothing, nothing to write home about, but I, I got the experience. I got I got a little chance of redemption. So I played a little. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's fantastic. And honestly, just like taking that all in and just, you know, being able to say, OK, I got to take a step back. I need to work a little bit more put in the time and then, you know, you get that chance again and, and you make the most of it, but that's, man, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I just, a just the experience alone is, is something to hang your hat on. What were, what were the days like over there? I mean, so you guys would play almost every night or every day. How did that work? No, man, it was a lot similar to our college season. Um, except we started, how do we play in college? We played Saturday, Sundays, right? Yeah, now yeah, I think we it's, played. Uh, I think two, it's still the same. Yeah, yeah, two Saturdays and one Sunday. It was just slightly longer than that. Like I think we would start the series on a Thursday, um, play Thursday, Friday. I think a doubleheader Saturday, and then a game Sunday. Yeah, so similar, similar to the college season. Because over there, I mean, it's a professional level. It's not like the professional level here where it's like a full time job. Like I mean, guys on the team, like we were getting up and going to work, you know, during the day. Like we would have full time day jobs, and then. Baseball was like, unless you were sent over by your organization, unless you were with an affiliated organization from the States, like, right. like me, like I would work up, I, I worked a, you know, I worked a regular day job. I was out landscaping, like cutting grass, like stuff like that. And then would, uh, yeah, show up to the park. So, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a little bit different in that respect. But then, like I said, they moved the schedule kind of played towards the end of the week and through the weekend. So everybody could kind of operate under their normal work schedule and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's awesome stuff, man. And uh, just the experience, like I said, is, is something that uh, you can always look back on. And, and, you know, it's a whole different world. Obviously, you're, you're you know, hours and hours away from from you know, where you're from. And, and obviously that's an adjustment in, uh, adjustment in itself. But just like you said, you're playing against guys that, you know, they're, they're in double A, they're triple A, they're, in, you know, with other teams and there's some pretty good players. I remember you telling me that you played against some, you know, really, really good players over there. Yeah. It was, uh, it was an experience to say the least. <laughs> so I want to talk about, um, you know, how you got into then, you know, personal training and sports performance. Um, 
you know, obviously guys like you and I, we've been, you know, playing sports our entire lives and we obviously gravitate towards fitness. You know, can you kind of touch on your transition from, okay, going from being a player to then becoming a sports performance coach, you know, fitness trainer? How, you know, how was that transition and what, and what really prompted you to, to make that choice? Honestly, uh, how it happened was, I think, a couple of different things. I, I got kind of the seed planted in my mind. Um, you know, when I got over there and I was playing pro ball in Australia, I realized, like, I mean, we took it to another level in college, like, really get into the weightlifting, the conditioning. Like, I fell in love with Coach Smith's workouts, Um, just like his we, whole philosophy. You know, I, not it. to cut you off, but I, <laughs> I always think about Coach Smith and how we were – spoiled with having him at such a small oh, yeah. school like that people Absolutely. don't realize how you know you know how good of a strength coach he was and you know yeah he you he wanted you to match his intensity and and i think a lot of you know a lot of a lot of players that played in the college level didn't get to have a strength coach like a coach smith and uh i, I you know not to completely go off course but i think we were really lucky to have him so i i couldn't agree more like i don't think even the people that go there like realize like he is one of the best in the game like in the country not at the division three level like not at the division two level or division one level like out of everybody he is at the top of that industry um i i had the chance to attend his uh strength and conditioning uh clinic that he runs every year and yeah, I don't think people realize, like, the schools that come there, like, the size of the schools that, that are, like, actually there, like, the strength and conditioning coaches, like, come to his clinic. Um, and he is one of the most respected uh, coaches in in the entire industry. So, yeah, we were definitely fortunate um, to, to work under him. But, um, yeah, that's kind of where it started. I fell in love with it there, kind of started to understand. Like, I loved how he had, like, you know, you could walk up to the wall and see all the different sports teams like workouts posted so i would kind of sit there like in amongst like my rest sets like rest between my sets and like look like okay what's what's women's volleyball doing like what's men's soccer doing like what's football skill players doing like what's the basketball team's recovery day look like and i was like man there's a lot more to this than just you know stacking weight on the bar like running as fast as you can or jumping as high as you can like there's a lot that goes into it so that piqued my interest like that definitely caught my attention that's i i think i said like where the seed was kind of planted. But um, honestly, man, I pulled the trigger and went and got my certification. Um, my ex-girlfriend that I was with, like when I came back from Australia had said at one time, she was like, you know, we can get like a personal training certification, like just a generic one, you know, we weren't trying to make careers out of it or anything. Or I never saw myself getting in that career, but she's like, you know, you can buy this online for like a couple hundred bucks. And she's like, maybe this is something we could just do like on the side, you know, just, earn a couple extra right. bucks outside of our job you know we're both we were both college athletes you know maybe that's something we could just do and i was like yeah whatever sign me up like just do it like <laughs> not really anything <laughs> of it like i had no intention um and then i just did it and as i really then when i really started you know i got my materials and i really started to study you know the handbook the manual you know go through and learn kind of the ins and outs you know learn the science learn about nutrition things like that that's when I was able to like look back at those like coach Smith workouts that I would like see posted on the wall and then all kind of came together. Like it all clicked. I was like, Oh, I get what he was doing. Like I get how this works. Like I can do that. Like this is something that's I'm like really interested now and I know how it works. Like I know I can make it work. So, uh, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I often think like, 
if we knew then what we know now kind of thing, you know, we, yeah. college was when I was really first uh, introduced to, you know, really taking recovery serious, really taking, you know, weight training serious. Um, and I feel like I wish I would have taken it more seriously back then because it is so important, like being able to say, okay, you know, this sport is going to be, we're going to have these workouts tailored for this sport, or, you know, this particular athlete should focus more on this. And it's just kind of seeing it from that lens and, you know, seeing how structured it really should be and how important, you know, recovery and certain types of workout plans are. I mean, yeah, I wish, I wish I would have taken it more seriously and been more appreciative of the fact that we had, you know, coach Smith as a resource there. Yeah. I don't think it's that we didn't take it seriously. It's just, we didn't know. Like right. we didn't, really didn't know what was kind of sitting in front of us or have the knowledge to really like take it to the next level. And, you know, nobody's really to blame for that's not yeah not that we didn't take it seriously like i know i saw you get after in the weight room i definitely got after in the weight room like we were serious yeah and it's just like anything else having that knowledge on top of it though is just just a game changer like i'm i'm 31 and i'm i i just feel like i'm in better shape and i I mean i feel like you might say the same thing i'm in better shape now at 31 than what i was at 18 19 20 no i i had the chance to you know work out every day you know have access to you know state-of-the-art facility like that like just knowing that stuff plus what i know now like by the book like the bookwork stuff like obviously you have your personal training certification too like just the amount of knowledge you have you combine that like i i'm i feel fantastic like as far as personal fit that's such a huge point you made there like i feel like the more i've been studying and the more i've been learning it's made me you know kind of be able to put it all together and, and hone in on those things now than I, when I didn't do that, you know, at a younger age. And because I'm able to do that now to your point, I feel like I'm in like so much better shape than, than I was then, which is crazy. I mean, we were, you know, doing conditioning all the time back then we were, you know, just, you know, just really going hard with everything. And you'd figure we, I mean, not that we weren't in good shape. It's just now I feel like there's other aspects that I appreciate now, um, especially getting older and, and taking care of your body yeah. that I just, we, you know, we didn't do as much back then. I think, I think the biggest thing too, probably at this point is understanding like the diet and stuff. Like obviously like what you put in your body is that's 80% of it. I mean, it's 20% like the, the, the fitness part, like the conditioning, the weightlifting, all of that. It's, it's really what you're putting in your body and, you know, in college, we had access to all pretty much all the food we could eat, but I never really thought about because I could literally just eat all the food I could eat. So I did, you know, <laughs> and not have to worry about. That. Yeah, we we having this, you know, you got it was tough to hone in on our diets when we were eating at Baker every right. day and uh, you know stuff in our faces. Right, and, <laughs> and after like and you know after hitting up a basketball practice or you know a Coach Smith workout. I wasn't really thinking about like counting any kind of, you know, macronutrients or anything like that. When I walked into the cafeteria, you could just eat it and there was no, you know, you're not going to get fat. Like there's it, no it was just like, Oh, I need, I need to, I need to fuel yeah. up. You know, that's all we thought of it yeah. as, you know, and not to mention, I mean, living a college lifestyle, a number of other things that we probably put in our bodies that didn't help, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, that you, you, you said it best. I mean, diet is such a huge role in anybody's training routine. And, uh, you know, I feel like a good trainer now, good, you know, although it's kind of out of our scope to a certain degree, um, you know, being able to kind of coach these athletes and these, uh, you know, fitness, you know, folks that want to get in shape, 
you know, teach them the importance of diet because, you know, sometimes you're not seeing the results you want because of the things that you're putting in your body. That's just, you know, and that's probably the number. That's, that's how it works. Me, that's probably the number one cause of um, why individuals, you know, my individual clients don't see the results they want. Because, I mean, I know I've been doing this long enough. I know that I'm working you out good, like when I'm with you. I know that when I see you, we are doing what needs to be done. We're doing what it takes to you, for you to be where you want to be. Um, I, I wouldn't sell anybody short on that. So it has to be the things that you're not doing while I'm not around. Like I can't be with you 24 seven. So it's like, what, what are you doing? You know, those other 23 hours when me and you aren't training, um, that, that has to be it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's funny you mentioned about being in better shape now. It, I, I'm trying to think of how many times it took me to run that uh, Coach Curley mile under 530. <laughs> what, yeah, I think it was 530 the guards had to run it on. I remember seeing that or, you know, that preseason packet he uh-huh. gave us and just seeing that we had to run a 530 mile. I'm like, oh, my that's God. I because like I look back at that. That thing is not bad. That is bit here and you started to do personal training and uh you know sports um in 2004 i believe and we're at school training then as well Yeah, I was the fitness director and manager of the facility, and I started, uh, people would say, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, I'm going to say it anyway, because copyrights or whatever, but like CrossFit style training, that really didn't exist in Huntington County, Um, I mean, you're familiar with Huntington County, it's a small area, so. Johnny, sorry about that, you had a little connection issue there. That's all right. So we were talking about the uh, okay. You became the fitness director at the uh, fitness center in Huntington. So you started what was in that area, you know, the training really for the first time. Yeah, that didn't really exist. So um, I said that's really what I was into at the time, and I, I wanted to get that started. I started with a handful of personal training clients, uh, just doing that. But I saw that there was definitely like a niche, you know, there for that cross training style of working out. Um, like I said, in Huntington County. So, man, I just kind of like freestyle it. I had, if you're familiar with the location, it sits right on like the main road in Huntington, like the corner of 4th Street and the highway. And the first class I had is probably, and yeah, my longest running class was probably a group of like four to six, like just every day, just soccer moms. I love them. Like they're, yeah, they're like my people. Those are the people who like, Trust me. Sometimes they're the most committed too. I mean, yeah. And I, I feel so bad because we have, I didn't have like any of that style equipment yet. Cause like our gym wasn't outfitted for it. Like I just came in and took over like what was there, man. I had them out like on the main street. Cause my goal was like, okay, I'm going to have them work out outside like during the summer. And it's going to be like free advertisement. It's going to be like a walking billboard. Like people are going to like be driving down the main drag of hunting in there, you know, going to or like coming out of work and like see these people working out like what are they doing and like it honestly worked but man i had these ladies out there like in the front lawn like doing burpees like i didn't even have like a sweat or anything like i had them pushing like a cart on wheels like up and down the sidewalk like getting creative with it i love it yeah, just, doing, just doing whatever i could and i was like 
man, after the first week, I was like, man, none of these people were ever going to come back and do this. Like, I just put them through, like, these rigorous workouts. I mean, they were coming from, like, I'm not knocking or anything, but they were coming from, like, Zumba classes and, like, step fitness classes and, like, things like that to, like, try my, like, cross-training workout. And I'm just out there, like, giving it to them, like, doing all this crazy stuff that they'd never seen before. And I'm like, man, come the next week, I'm like, there's none of these ladies are coming back. And, man, we just, like, grew and grew and grew to over, like, a dozen classes, like, yeah, I was happy we got that set up. It was that was definitely one of the funnest things I'd ever done. That's awesome, man. So it turns out the walking billboard worked out, and, and uh, <laughs> word of mouth can go a long way too. So that's awesome. That was that primarily. So you did mostly group training at that fitness center at the time, right? Uh, I did a little bit of everything. Yeah, group training. Uh, man, it's just kind of the day to day, like personnel, like operations. Uh, I was really big into the market. I, I mean, using the social media platforms and stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, one-on-one training too. So I did, I wore many hats. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, and that kind of transitions into, in 2019, just last year, you opened, um, or you and I think a few others opened the Armory Sportsplex in Huntington. Um, and that was, from my understanding, you got to really like, get a lot of, you know, not only group training, but one-on-one training with, you know, baseball players, basketball players, all different types of athletes um, and age groups, really. Yeah, that really turned into more of the sports-specific thing and uh, a lot more of, like, instructional, like, skills training. Like, we had the strength and conditioning uh, format going on, too, like the classes. Um be yeah, more so than not, we are given like individual baseball lessons, uh, running baseball clinics, softball clinics became a huge thing. Um, yeah, we had been running baseball clinics, like selling them out. And some people were like, you know, why don't you, why don't you do a softball clinic? And I was like, I don't really have a softball background. And they're like, it's not much different outside of like pitching, like the techniques and the skills are like similar like, just do it. And I was like, ah, all right, we'll give it a go. I said to my partner, like, we'll just give it a go, man. The first night, like, for our softball clinics, we had, like, twice as many girls show up than we ever had, like, guys show up for baseball clinics. Like, I didn't have enough coaches on hand because I never like to run group things unless I can have, like, one coach to, like, three athletes. You know, right. So, we have everybody. And, um, man, so many girls showed up that night. Like, I didn't even have enough coaches or, like, resources to, like, handle it. It was crazy. So, yeah, softball became became a big thing that we got into, too. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's nice too. Cause I think those athletes can, they have their, you know, traveling programs, they have their high, you know, high school or middle school programs, but being able to get that kind of one-on-one training that more, uh, or, you know, group training, but also it's more tailored to your actual sport. And, yeah. um, you know, I think kids from all ages can really benefit from that. Yeah. It, uh, it, it was working out really well. Uh, parents really responded well they were they were very thankful for it because there's just nothing again there's nothing like that in Huntington County no kind of opportunities and Huntington County is really a hotbed for athletes that I just think goes unnoticed a lot just because it's a small area kind of out in the middle of nowhere and um people don't just I mean bigger colleges and scouts at the professional level don't look at a lot of the athletes around here and the talents here it's just a matter of getting them the same caliber coaching that you know they're you know student athletes are getting, you know, closer towards the cities and bigger metropolitan areas and uh, yeah, just getting the word out. So that's really what I was trying to do with that. That's awesome. And and so I got to ask, what, what do you prefer from a training or a trainer perspective 
group training or one-on-one or is there really no preference and kind of talk about a little like some of the differences between the two at this point like where i'm at in my career uh, i'm in my like eighth or ninth year doing this and well to answer the question in short i prefer smaller groups or one-on-one because where i'm at like how i'm doing it now is back when i was at the facility in huntington like the fitness center there I really tried to spread myself thin. I was trying to, you know, throughout the day, see anybody and everybody and just try and make like sale after sale, like promoting personal training, which was good. But the thing about it is, and I'm sure you face this too, like with your clients, like the number of people who are actually like say they want to change and then like make that commitment, like long-term it's a, it's a process. It's a long-term process to, you know, be with a personal trainer and actually see change. It's a, it's a grind mentally, physically and it takes time it takes months it takes weeks it takes months you know to see results and making those sales like at the fitness center like you would have you know mom like oh i just want to like turn on my arms and my butt or whatever and like lose 10 pounds and you see them like two times and then like you literally never hear from them again right it's you like... have... no you go, they, go ahead they were expecting like a lot of people have that magic pill mentality like they're expecting you to perform you know sprinkle some magic like trainer dust on them and they're all of a sudden going to get like the results they want without, you know, really putting in a long-term amount of work. So what I'm doing at this point, that, that just became overwhelming. Like I got so many, you know, I got so busy with that. I was like spreading myself so thin and it's like people aren't making, I'm making the commitment to, you know, my clients, but clients aren't really making that commitment in return. And it got kind of frustrating because I'm like, I know, like, uh, I'm not meaning to sound like, talk or anything like i know what i'm doing and it's like if you just trust me and follow through with the plan we're going to get results and so many people just wouldn't follow through with the plan you know if you give somebody a six-week plan and five weeks in they're like well it's not working i'm like because you didn't follow the six-week plan you followed a five-week plan like what what did you expect and that honestly just became frustrating for me so right now man what i'm doing is i only take on clients who are going to buy a minimum of six weeks worth of sessions from me, whether it be a sports performance athlete, which that's mostly who they are. They're they're the most committed, you know, junior high and high school athletes are hands down the most committed. And then I do still have a handful of one-on-one clients. Literally my most faithful client is the lady I had from day one. She's 73 years old and incredible. And yeah, she, but she will buy, you know, a dozen sessions at a time, something like that. So that's really what I try. That's where I try to make the sales. I try to make fewer sales and, you know, I just work with people who are more committed, who I know are willing to put up, you know, that amount of money to be committed and really make the change. Right. No. And, and that makes sense. And, uh, you know, it's all about like one of the things I've been learning as I've been training is, you know, goal setting. What, you know, I don't, I don't want to hear about what you want, you know, two to four or, you know, even eight weeks down the line here. What are your yeah. long-term goals in terms of fitness? Um, you know, because it's, 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 it, just like you said, it's a process. It takes time and there's a lot of different factors that go into it. You know, diet being one of it, one of them, you know, recovery, you know, what are you, just like you said, what are you doing for those other 23 hours? Are you sleeping well? You know, things like that. But it's funny that you said, you know, middle school and high school, those are the athletes that are obviously the most interested and the most committed for the most part. 
and and I would hope that that would be the case. I mean, these are you know aspiring athletes, you know, athletes that are trying to become the best in their particular you know sport. So um, there, yeah, I I could imagine that that's probably the, the you know a lot of the clients that you get are definitely you know athletes. And that's who I try to focus on because a lot of things go in trends, especially fitness. Honestly, man, and I think we're gonna see it coming out of this pandemic. And I, I've listened to some other professionals who have said the same thing, but I can just see it. Fitness is a trendy thing. Like, it goes in waves, okay? Like, it, it's been around in the past. Like, you have people like, you know, Richard Simmons. Remember uh, Billy Blanks with the tie bow <laughs> in the, like, mid-90s? Like, it goes in it waves. It does. Like, you'll see it and then drop. I think, honestly, man, we're coming towards the end of, like, a fad. I really believe that. I think fitness was at a hot point here for – maybe like the last decade, I think it's going to go on a downward trend. Not that people aren't going to take care of themselves, but the trendiness of, I mean, look at how the gym industry has exploded. There's gyms everywhere. Everybody has a fitness oh, yeah. center. Everybody has boxes. It's everywhere. Um, I don't think people taking care of themselves is going to change. In fact, I think that's going to increase. I think people are becoming a lot more aware. There's so much information out there about, um, how to take care of yourself, the importance of taking care of yourself. I don't think people taking care of themselves is going to decline, but I just think the gym fad, like the fad of fitness and like the, the, the gym the fa- life, the fad of being like, Oh yeah, I belong to planet fitness or, Oh yeah, I belong to LA. Fitness. Yeah. It's like now, yeah. you know, with the quarantine and everything that's happened, people are starting to realize like, Hey, if, if I invest enough time here with myself, I mean, I can do, I can do these things here at my apartment or my house, you know? Yeah. I have to, I have to invest in, you know, certain equipment, but I can get creative with it. And I think you brought up a a really strong point. Like, yeah, with the, the fact that gyms are now taking a huge hit, you know, what's going to happen long-term with them. And are people going to be flocking back to the gyms? Probably not. I don't, I, I don't see it. Maybe initially, but I think long term, and I don't think, and I'm not worried about it because I think people like me and you, if you have a client base, I'm still welcome into people's homes. Like when I first started personal training, house calls was what I did before I started working at um, at the health club in Huntington. House calls is what I did. I go to your house and I still do it. I have several clients where I show up at your house and we do the work right there. They got the stuff they need. It's very accessible and affordable to buy. Home fitness equipment. I mean, you have stuff at home. I've seen what you have. I have stuff at home, like really nice stuff. And um, it's useful. And sometimes it doesn't take much, you know? Like people are always like, oh, oh you know, I can't go for a run outside today because it's so windy. You know, how am I going to get my cardio? It's like, well, you know, jump ropes cost, you know, 20 bucks. And, and you know, I yeah. use my jump rope every day here in my apartment. And like, it yeah. doesn't take much. But yeah, I mean, I think you'll see people starting to invest uh, more into more equipment and uh but yeah. i think to your point you're right you know people like you and i we have you know clients who are willing to you know train virtually they're willing to meet in small groups now um so yeah. i think people like you and i and other trainers aren't going to necessarily take a hit but i do think those gyms and and you know that kind of larger um scene if you will i think is going to kind of dissipate yeah and that's why i was also i guess i was i didn't even I I was beating around the bush there and didn't really get to my point. My point I was trying to make, and that was I gravitate now towards the sports performance athletes because that's not going anywhere. Um, if anything, sports are getting bigger. 
and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that that's no I, I have no indication that that's going to slow down. That's not a trend. That's not a fad. It, it, that's what it is. I mean, sports are sports are huge. They're ever growing. When we come out of this, you know, whatever's going on right now, this this pandemic, you know, with the quarantine and the lockdown and everything, people are dying for sports. I mean, you're a sports fan. Like, I, I know you are. Like, I'm oh, dying I'm just, to see some energy. I'll take anything. I'm dying. The- I'm dying the, to play the, city the Jordan documentary is the only thing that's holding everybody together right now with uh, oh, not having sports. <laughs> that, that's one of the best pieces of entertainment I've watched in my entire it's, life. I, I just think that that's fantastic. Yeah, no, it is. And uh, yeah, I think hopefully, you know, once, you know, we come out of this, uh, you know, you're right. You, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, um, you know, high school athletes, even college athletes, obviously, you know, kids in middle school they're still you know they're now more than ever I feel like everything I see I mean people and athletes they're training they're getting their work in because guess what they realize that if they use this as an excuse if they use this time as an excuse they're gonna you know fall behind and the next person behind them is gonna you know go ahead of them yep and uh It'll be interesting. I'm interested to see what sports are like when we come back. Like, who did put in the work? Like, what what do – even at the professional level, like, to watch these guys, like, how rusty will they be? Like, you see these NBA players, like, have full weight rooms and, like, full court – you know, full courts, like, at their right. house. Like, man, how much are you really using that? Like, what – are you just, like, sitting home doing Zoom meetings with your friends, like, drinking wine? Yeah, like, exactly. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like that whole, you know, all the – you know, Give me would say to us, like after the season was over, you know, you know, okay, you're off, you're you're going to the summer now, you know, schools, you know, schools out, and you know how much work are you going to put in, and and uh, what kind of leagues are you going to join? Um, even in high school, you would have coaches talk about, okay, who's going to put in the work now in the off season? That's when you know, you know, starting roles are made. That's when you know, you know, that's. You can tell, you know, having a situation like this, you will be able to tell who's put in their work and who is not, you know, and that's, that's for sure. Absolutely. And that's what, it was weird. I was thinking about this earlier today. I was at work and like, that's what's so beautiful about sports. Like, that's what, that's why I love it. Like it's a universal language. Number one, like everybody can understand it. Number two, it's the closest thing to a meritocracy that exists. Absolutely. Like what you put in, like what you put in, like will show. Like the work that you put in will show and you will be compensated or rewarded accordingly. That is the closest there's no other system that exists like close to that in anything. Really. Yeah, there's no such thing as like, uh, fake it fake it political landscapes are unfair. But in sports, that is a meritocracy. Like you're merited based on what you based on your right. performance. Yeah. And, and and it's you know there's no such thing as faking it till you make it in sports you know it's like no you gotta be nope. you gotta put in the work and you know you'll, we'll, we'll see if it translates but uh no that's a great point i want to jump in johnny to um you know something that i know you definitely value i definitely value i value it more than i did 10 years ago when i was in college for sure but that's the you know you know the idea of recovery and you know, certain recovery tactics, if you will, that, that you like to do now for yourself, but also that you, you know, kind of encourage your, you know, athletes um, that you coach, you know, what do you promote in terms of recovery? And what do you think, you know, some, you know, t- some recovery tactics that you like? 
Man, um, honestly, for me, um, personally, I've really been like adjusting like my lifestyle over the past year because I I tore my Achilles probably fifteen months ago that's or right, so. I remember that. Yeah, last time I saw you, so, you were on crutches. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so recovery became a big thing for me. Like that, that's a hard thing to bounce back from. That, that's that's major recovery. I didn't have surgery, so. I really started to pay attention to my body and pay attention to what basically what felt good and what didn't. When did I feel like my body was optimized and when wasn't it? And really, man, I mean, I'm not dropping any kind of like secret knowledge here. Like it's really what it came down to like me putting in my body. Um, I really started to pay attention to it. I mean, just some lifestyle changes I've made that I can clearly notice recover, like the effects of my recovery. I mean, I cut out the caffeine, I cut out the sugar, I cut out the alcohol, um, and I eat meat maybe like once or twice a month. And those have been, yeah, real big factors. Basically, what I'm putting in my body, or what I'm not putting in my body sometimes, is uh, those are the biggest players when it comes to recovery, as far as as far as far I'm concerned. And that's just from experience. Yeah, no, and that's I'm glad you, you mentioned that because, you know, I too try to, you know, I love my steaks. Don't get me wrong. You know, I love my chicken and things like that, but I do try to eat fish a lot more. And, and, um, you know, I think people don't realize that, it, it, man, it really is what you put in your body. Like I noticed, I noticed that some foods cause more, in, you know, inflammation for me. And, and I wake up the next day feeling sore and, and, uh, my recovery yeah. is not as good. Whereas if I'm eating a cleaner diet, you know, a lot of fish, um, you know, getting my healthy fats in and things like that. It makes a huge difference. And, and I think, uh, you know, I, I remember the last time I was with you, you had talked to me and, and I have done, you know, I have some background and some knowledge on this, but not as much as you, but you, you started to get into the in, intermittent fasting um, to a certain degree for a little while. And that you would do it longer than, you know, what I would do, which was basically just kind of like a 12 to 16 hour fast. You kind of, you would drag that out if I remember correctly. Man, once a month, I will try and stretch it two to five days. At least once a month, I'll try and do it. And honestly, that's when I that's when I really started to notice the recovery. When you take things away from yourself and then reintroduce them, that's when you really feel the effect. That that's because because you don't know what it's doing to you. If you're doing something consistently, like if I'm eating red meat consistently, I don't really know how that's making me feel because it's my constant state. But if I strip that away for like 30 days and then like do it again or like take away alcohol for like 30 days and like drink a beer, man, you feel like you feel it like you feel, oh, that's exactly what that did to my body. Like this gives me brain fog or this makes my knees hurt or, you know, something like that. It's that's when I really started to notice it. So that's why I like the fasting is I like to really like strip everything back, like strip it all away and then reintroduce it. And then you get a real appreciation and real sense for what eating good really does for you as opposed to what eating bad does, you know, does it where, how it works against you. Um, so I've really got into the, yeah, not just the intermittent fasting is a staple, but I've gotten into the, the longer term fasts here more recently. And it's, uh, 
it's definitely paid off, I think, anyway, just from personal experience. No, and honestly, everything I hear about it, like the people who do it religiously, just, you know, talk about how you can just reap and reap the benefits from it. And it's just a matter of being able to withstand it and testing yourself. Like, I'm I'm sitting here listening to you say two to five days. I mean, I can't go 20 minutes without, like, you know, you know eating something because I feel like, we're, you know, guys like you and I, are, we're still burning a decent amount of calories every day. We're working yeah. out. And man, I just, you yep. know, I need to feed, I need to eat. And uh... it's tough. Those first 48 hours are tough. Man. What I think a lot of realize the key, I mean, you're familiar with the keto diet, the yeah. ketogenic yep. diet. What happens, man, after 48 hours of not eating, your body goes into ketosis anyways. That naturally happens. Our, our bodies are naturally, you know, built to do that. So if you can withstand that first 48 hour phase, which that's definitely the hardest part. Day's not that hard. That's second day going into it. And you got to figure six, if you're sleeping eight hours, 16 of those hours, you're sleeping. So you're not, you weren't going to be eating anyway. So if you put that in perspective, it's not as bad. But if you can break <laughs> still pretty bad. That second day, <laughs> <laughs> if you can break through that second day, it definitely becomes more manageable and uh, you can, you can start to feel changes for sure. I'm so happy that you mentioned too the fact that okay we know what our bodies feel like if we're constantly eating the same things like steak and different meats and you know just the the, the regiment that we're accustomed to whether it's you know good or bad like you, we we don't really know truly until we strip ourselves of that and you kind of see it from a whole different perspective and and I think that's an interesting way to look at it yeah so okay we talked a little yeah. bit about recovery. Um, I mean, I'm. How has it been for you? I mean, obviously, you, you've your life has changed a lot. You you know, you tore your Achilles, and then you obviously you have you know two young, uh, young beautiful kids. And how do you find time to keep up with training and you know taking care of yourself? You know, make make it a priority. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not saying anything that's like groundbreaking or anything. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure we've heard other trainers and like fitness professionals say stuff like this. But that's really how it works for me, man. Like, it's a non-negotiable. Like, taking care of my body is, like, a non-negotiable. Like, you take care of your body. Like, you give it a shower. Like, you brush your teeth. Like, listen, make your heart work. Like, make your muscles work. That's all part of it, too. Like, it's got to be a priority. Like, you can't you can't find time to, like, work out. Like, you have to make time to work out. Like, it, it's a non-negotiable for me. Like, exercise, that, that's something we, yeah, something we don't negotiate. Um, it, it will be done because that's it's a priority for me. Yeah. And like, you know, obviously we talked about recovery and the value of, okay, we, some, you know, yeah, there's days where you need to take a step back. You know, people always talk about, well, I don't want to get too crazy. You know, I don't want to like become like obsessed with it. And it's not, it's not that it's an obsession. You know, yes, there is a lot of mental aspects to it, but honestly, it's just, it's, it, I, just like you said that you said it perfectly, it, it falls into the category of taking care of your body. Yeah, we shower, we brush our teeth, you know, we, we take care of our, our bodies in that respect. Well, we take care of our bodies too by, you know, re, you know, re, doing resistance training or, or, you know, hopping on a bike and, and going for a couple miles, you know, it's things like that. It's like it's what, it's what's going on under the hood. Right. Like you got to think of it like that. Exactly. Like you, you, would, you would not change the oil in your car. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, like you wouldn't put a red Gatorade like in your gas tank when you know your gas, like your car runs off like gas, right? Like that, you know how that wouldn't make any sense. Like, why would you do that? So, like, why would you do that to yourself too? You know, that's that's kind of how I've been trying to, you know, think about it. Yeah, it, it helps. Yeah, no doubt. And I think too, as I've gotten older, and you know, 
yes, I feel like I'm in tremendous shape, but I will say that, yeah, my body doesn't recover the way it did when I was 18. I mean, we would play three games a weekend for baseball or, you know, for basketball, I would play like, my God, it seemed like eight games in a day for AAU. And I could just, you know, snap back into it and just hop right up and play another game. I just know that now if I don't do those things to take care of my body, if I'm not sleeping seven, eight hours a night, if I'm not getting enough, you know, water in my body, if I'm not eating correctly, it's, I'm going to pay the price. Whereas the price. 10 to 15 yeah. years ago, you could get away with snacking on, you know, a happy meal at McDonald's between games for an AU tournament. You know what I mean? Like you could get away with that. Oh, yeah. We can't get away <laughs> with that now. That's just not the way it works. Yeah. And people just have to, I mean, I guess it comes down to like clients we train because that's who we interact with the most as far as like in the fitness world. But you just have to come to terms with that. Like you, there's a certain set of behaviors that lead to a certain set of results. And if you act outside of that certain set of behaviors, you can't get those results. Yep. Like that's not how it, it doesn't work like that. Like that would be cool if it did. Like maybe it did when we were 18, but like, no, like, once you're just out in the world, like it doesn't work like that. Like, so you have to, you have to abide by that certain set of behaviors. And if you stray off that path, like you said, you will pay the price. Like it's, you can't, you can't fake that. Like, yeah, absolutely. And and it's, it's like, it, it's so simple, but it's just, it's really difficult for a lot of people to grasp. You know, it's like they, you brought up the fact about like a miracle pill, like there's no such thing. You have to put in the work and it's not going to be something that just like, you flip the switch and things are going to go the way you want. You have to battle through recovering the right way, dieting the right way. There's a whole lot of things that you have to, to, uh, you know, take into account. You, you mentioned something there just a couple seconds back and you said like, when you're talking to people like you might hear somebody say like, Oh, I don't want to get like too extreme about it or anything. And I think like, that's what I'm saying. How I'd mentioned earlier, like with fitness being a trend and a fad and things like that. And especially in the media culture we live in, it seems so extreme. Like the things you see online. You see like, it you everywhere. See, you see it everywhere. Everything, everything is so extreme. But in reality, it's not. Like to live, to just live a healthy lifestyle, to live a disciplined lifestyle, to abide by that certain set of behaviors, like I said, it's not extreme. It's, it might just be different than what you're used to. It might require a little more discipline. But there's nothing extreme about what I like, what I do personally. Like I said, I feel like I'm in phenomenal shape. I do nothing extreme, man. Like I pay, I pay attention to what I put in my mouth. I, I run, you know, maybe a mile every couple of days, you know, at least a mile, anywhere from a mile to five miles. And I just move around, man. I do some push-ups. I do some sit-ups. There's nothing that I do that is extreme, like nothing. Yeah, and I'm. It's funny you mention that because I always. Yeah, I always tell people that, like, you know, sometimes less is more. And I don't mean, like, do the bare minimum. I just mean, like, you know what your body can handle. You know what is out of your scope in terms of, you know, your athletic capabilities, your endurance, things like that. So, yeah, I do a lot of – I move around all the time. I'm working out pretty much every day. But not every day am I, you know, going for a 12-mile bike ride, you know. Right. You got to listen to your body. You got to know, you know, how your body feels. Um, So, no, I think you hit the nail on the head there. So um, one of the topics I wanted to discuss with you, because, you know, I don't think we took it very seriously. At least I didn't when I was younger. You know, the topic of like warming up and getting prepared for a game or even practice. How do you 
and I, I, I should, I should say that once we got to college, I got introduced to kind of more of like the dynamic warm up, which I'm a huge believer in. What are some of the, how do you, what are your feel, what is your feeling on warming up and versus, you know, kind of like static stretching before exercise, which I happen to like to do more kind of after the exercise. Yeah. Um, you got, you definitely got to move first. What I do. So do you mean, are you referencing like, if I'm going to like be training like some of my student athletes, like what might I do with them before? Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah. How do you get them, you know, uh, you know, pre, you know, before the actual workout begins, how do you get them warmed up? You know, what are some of the things that you have them do? First thing, I mean, you gotta, you gotta increase your heart rate in some way. You gotta, you gotta warm up your internal body temperature. Okay. So from your core, you need to make that hot. Okay. Essentially if that, if putting it like in basic terms, like get your heart beating, get your blood flowing. Um, and again, think back, think back to, to the, uh, or any one of like coach Smith's workouts, the, um, just like the basic layout of it. What did that sheet always start with? Yeah. 10 minute low, low impact cardio. Yep. Warming the heart up, make the heart beat. And then what do we do next? You move the body whatever athlete I'm working with, whether I'm working with, and I have one group that's really fun because I have a baseball player, a wrestler and a football player on the same group. So three very different. Right. But we mimic the moves. Okay. So we warm up, we make the blood flow, we make the heart work. And then we warm up by mimicking the moves that you're going to do in a game. So we're going to jump. Okay. We're going to, you know, bounce side to side. If my baseball player, I'm thinking of that group as a short stuff. So we might have to make a quick cut to his left or his right. So I'm going to have them do some, you know, jumping side lunges, something like that. Or some, you might call them like skaters or something like that. Just side to side, like bounding, mimicking moves. Okay. Plyo jumps, like box jumps, jumping pull-ups. Okay. Things like that, where we are actually mimicking like athletic moves before we touch any kind of weights like that. So that's basically my thing is get hot and then mimic moves, mimic game-like moves. Yeah. what I tried to do. I think that's perfect. You hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's it's all about getting that heart rate up, getting warm, literally just as we like to call it, it's a warm-up, and then start doing, um, you know, movements that are tailored to that sport or that particular workout or exercise that you're doing. It's just right. I cringe when I see so many people kind of walk into the gym and then they're, you know, they're loading up the bench, you know, with, you know, you know, 245-pound plates, and it's like they haven't even gotten warm, and it's like – what you, you don't really realize what you're doing to your body until after the fact with that you will feel it the next day or you may feel it a couple yeah. hours afterwards you know it's like yeah. it's so important and I, you know again it goes back to when we were younger we maybe didn't have to like value that quite as much i mean we were aware of it but our bodies yeah. were going to adapt but now it's like you know man these these athletes now they have it you know pretty good because I think trainers like you and I, we really do value, you know, warming up and the recovery and the dieting and things like that. And, you know, we didn't have that quite as much uh, back when we were younger, but it's such a huge, important part of, of training as a whole. Yeah, it, it really is. And kind of off of what we were talking about, like it, as we age a little bit, like you can feel what you do need to do before, like before I go on a run now, I actually do like static stretch. Like I would never imagine that. Like I was like, Dude, if I'm going on a run, like, okay, the first five minutes is my warm-up, then I'm going to be hot, then, like, I'm going to be cruising, like, after that. Like, once I hit the mile, <laughs> like, dude, I tried that one kind of, like, my calves were locking up. Like, once I came back, oh, like, yeah. Achilles, like, my calves were locking up, like, my quads were locking up. I was like, man, you didn't stretch at all. I was like, you got to stretch. Like, so that's the yeah, that's part of my that's part of my regimen, for sure, before I, I take these long runs now. Is I'm definitely, definitely hitting the static stretch, which uh, is something I never would have thought about before, but – 
Got to do it. Absolutely, man. It's it's crucial. But uh, so, listen, Johnny, it's been a pleasure. I'm I'm so thankful I was able to get you on here. I mean, in a perfect world, we would have done this in person, but uh, this won't yeah. be the, this won't be the last time I have you on here. I was gonna say, yeah, next next one. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, you take care of your two beautiful kids, and uh, you know, stay safe. And um, once again, just thank you for joining the MF Training Podcast. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad I finally got on with you. Yep, yep. And we'll make it happen again. So uh, you've been listening to the MF Training Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Fritz. Until next time.